0: have your Bibles turned to the Hall of Fame of Faith as we continue our series that I began probably when all this stuff started in March, it's been five months so good to see Brother Bobby Jackson hadn't seen him in five months back with us this morning and uh, good to see each one of you here and I think I really uh, got a lot out of the message this morning and I wanted to finish it so I could have Brother Ross preach for us tonight, but I didn't finish half of the chapter, so I'm going to finish the rest of Judges chapter 11 tonight. But we're at Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we're preaching on characters. If you want to know about the Hall of Fame of Faith, it's Hebrews chapter 11, several men of God and ladies of God, two ladies are mentioned, and one's mentioned behind the scene, Deborah, who affected, uh, infected and was contagious when it came to her faith, as I preached last week, and influenced Barak. But let's stand all the word of God. One verse, again, verse 32. I said that this morning, read three. But uh, look at verse 32. It's good to see each one of you here, a great crowd. This looks uh, full when we have this uh, separation or whatever it is, amen? Don't you hate this stuff, amen? I mean, I don't even believe in uh, social distancing. We just have to do it. I believe we ought to have spiritual closeness. And I felt a real closeness last Tuesday, uh, and I felt a real closeness this morning, and I'm just feeling closer and closer uh, to God through this, and that's what I want to do. I want to grow. Don't waste this trouble. The, hey, listen. This, uh, hey, listen. God gives you wisdom liberally when you have manifold temptation, as I preached on this morning, James chapter one, and He upbraids us not. Aren't you glad He don't fuss at us when we ask for wisdom? And I believe the greatest prayer we ought to have is, Lord. Give me wisdom not to waste this junk, right. amen, this problem, this pandemic, and it's real. If you don't believe it's real, I can give you a long list of people that are very sick that are very close to me, and um, we need to pray for them. We really need to pray for them. Uh, the great songwriter, Stacy Percy, has got, got it, and uh, he's a blessing to the camp and a blessing to the Morrisons and, uh, and they're asking prayer. Good friend of mine, Chad Gordon's uh, senior director, has got it, Brother Rester, and uh, they're really pleading for prayer. And my good friend Ray Turner used to be down in South Georgia with me. He's now with uh, People's Baptist Church. He's in the hospital with it and uh, needs your prayers. He's a great songwriter, great songwriter. He's he's older than me, uh, and so he's he's in uh, he's in trouble. Does anybody older than me? You get it? Uh, you're in trouble, and so uh, that's why I'm trying to run from it. Let's look at verse 32, and let's uh, be contagious when it comes to our faith. It says, and what shall I, s- I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of. So that's, a, that's the epitaph of every preacher. Time just fails me to finish this. And it says, of Gideon, to tell you of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, and next week, of David also and Samuel and other prophets you may be seated as I pray father thank you for the Hall of Fame of faith and thank you God for the study of the life of Jephthah God if I've ever been encouraged it was this morning to think about how far he came from the depths that he came from and how he's rejected but God you chose him and Lord he became a judge became a leader the ninth judge a mighty leader, a man as, as the Bible describes as a man of valor, mighty man of valor. And so Lord, give us courage, give us discipline, give us faith. God, give us wisdom not to waste this trouble. But God, to learn, to grow, and be rooted and grounded in your faith and your love during this time. God, we're so thankful uh, for speaking to our hearts So thankful for the good singing this morning and tonight. And God, we're so thankful for your presence. So Lord, I pray nobody get distracted. We wouldn't be distracted from uh, your message tonight. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As you notice in verse one through three uh, of Judges chapter 11, you'll turn back there, Judges chapter 11, uh, Jephthah was kicked out of his home by his stepmother because she had three other sons and she was tired of the illegitimate child. Now, folks, that's a that's a low start. But here's a man of God that was um, a prostitute's son, Jephthah. And um, he uh, became a mercenary soldier protecting God's people from all the enemies. So he moved to Tob, about 80 miles from uh, uh, where he would come back to. And... Um, he gained a reputation of a mighty man of valor. And the enemies uh, known as the Amorites plagued the, uh, uh, plagued the Gideonites and searching for a leader, they approached Jephthah, and as I preached this morning, uh, a lot of people would say, go jump in a lake. You didn't want me then, and now I'm not gonna be available now. But he didn't have an ounce of bitterness in his heart. He didn't have any uh, uh, hesitant because he knew God was moving. And he said, I will lead you into war against these heathens if you'll only let me continue to lead and be your leader. And they promised him in verse 7 and verse 8 that if he would lead them, that he would, they would crown him as the leader. And so we come to verse 12 where we left off this morning. And the Bible says, And Jeptile sent messengers unto the king of the children of Amnon, saying, what has thou to do with me that thou art come against me to fight in my land? And so he wanted a number one, Brother Cody, he wanted a reason for the war. And I want to tell you something, friend. We need to see that Jephthah inquired of the king, the enemy, why they were fighting them. And, folks, that's good advice in this confusing time of conflicts. And you better pick your battles, say amen. A lot of people pick a lot of battles that are not of the Lord. And sometimes they pick some small battles that doesn't make a bit of difference for eternity. You need to be careful about picking your battles. Say amen. And folks, here he is. He's saying, uh, uh, why, you, why do you want war against us? Verse 13, and the king of the children of Amnon answered and said, messenger of Jephthah, because Israel took away my land. When they came out of Egypt from Aaron even to Jabob and unto Jordan, and therefore restore those lands again peacefully. And Jephthah sent messengers again unto the king of the children of Amnon. And he said to them, Thus saith Jephthah, Israel took not away the land of Moab, nor the land of the children of Amnon. And when Israel came up from Egypt and walked through the wilderness into the Red Sea and came to Kadesh, then Israel sent messengers unto the king of Edom, saying, Let me, I pray thee, pass through thy land. But look at verse 17. We're in Judges 11, but the king of Edom would not hearken there, thereto. And in like manner, they sent to the king of the Moab, but he would not consent, and Israel abode in Kadesh. Verse 18, and they went along through the wilderness and encompassed the land of Edom and the land of Moab and came by the east side of the land of Moab and pitched on the other side of Aaron, but came not with the borders of Moab, and Arnon was the border of Moab. And Israel sent messengers into Sih- Sihon, king of the Amorites, the king of Heshon, and Israel said unto them, let us pass, we pray thee, through the land into my place. But Sihon trusted not Israel to pass through the coast. Sihon gathered all his people together and pitched in Jahaz and fought against Israel. And the Lord God of Israel delivered Sihon and all his people into the hand of Israel, and they smote them, so Israel possessed all the land of the Amorites and the inhabitants of that country." They possessed all the coasts of the Amorites, from Arnon even to Jaboth, and from the wilderness even to Jordan. So now the Lord God of Israel has dispossessed the Amorites from before the people of Israel, and shouldst thou possess it? Will thou not possess that which uh, camest the God giveth thee to possess their heathen God? So whosoever, whomsoever the Lord our God shall drive out from before us, them will we possess. And now art thou anything better than Balak, son of Zippor and king of Moab. And he did ever strive against Israel and he, and he, or did he ever fight against them? And while Israel dwelt in Heshbon from the towns and from Aaron and the towns and all the cities that were along the coast of Aaron, 300 years, why therefore did ye recover them within that time? One more verse on this history lesson. And therefore there, I have not sinned against thee But thou dost me wrong to war against me, the Lord, the judge, be judged this day between the children of Israel and the children of Amnon. I'll tell you what made Jabeth a great warrior. He had biblical grounds to stand on. And I want to tell you something, friend. It's good advice. When you go into war, you better have this sword of the spirit as grounds for your warfare. Say amen. And folks, it's good advice in all these conflicts and choosing all these battles and all this uh, diversion and and disappointments and depression that we've, we've picked the right battle. And the battle is the Lord's and the victory will be ours. But folks, we see the reason uh, for the war, but we see the rebuke from Jethro. He knew the scriptures, the foundation of our faith. It's the bedrock of our belief. It's the principle for our purpose. It's a place for our... Position and our persuasion. Without the Word of God, we will stagger, we will stumble, we will struggle, and we'll sway back and forth, and we'll be tossed by but, but every uh, every wind of doctrine and every slight of man. And so, thank God, friend, Jephthah was grounded in the Word. All this history that bored you to death probably was for persuasive and powerful arguments uh, that folks. That was their land, and that he was taking it back. And so, verse 28, we see the refusal of reason. The refusal of reason. And um, look, at, look at this it said, Howbeit the king of the children of Amnon hearkened not unto the words of Jephthah which he sent him. You know, the king would not listen. And I want to tell you something, friend you're in trouble if you won't listen. If you won't listen to the gospel, you can die and go to hell. And folks, if you don't listen to the word of God, you will drift and you'll have detours in your life and you'll pick the wrong battles with the wrong enemy. Folks, we need to stand upon the word of God. The belt of truth needs to be firmly put on in the armor of of warfare. And folks, that belt of truth is connected to the sash that reminds us of every victory, but the greatest victory and the victory that was won at Calvary gives us grounds to defeat Satan and go in the name of God and take back his land. Folks, I'm afraid America's fallen into the, to the hands of the devil. Truth's fallen in the streets. It's sad to say that we're in an antichrist spirit in America. And we're in a post-Christian era. And only God's seed and only the Gentiles and praise God, only the men of faith and the ladies of faith can preserve this nation and take back the land that God has given us. This is God's country. This is God's land. Folks, it was started on the principle of the word of God and to bring awe and respect to God and to have religious freedom. And we take a back seat and apologize for being Christians in this day and age. Folks, I want to tell you something. The liberals ought to apologize. The heathens ought to apologize. The devil's crowd ought to apologize. Folks, we stand upon the truth tonight. And the truth is that we're more than conquerors through him and this is his land. I don't think we ought to cow down to it. And folks, I want you to know many people refuse the truth because they're blinded by the devil, the God of this world. They're baffled by the scriptures. They don't understand them because they don't read them. They're belligerent in their sin. They love their sin. reason most people won't get saved is because they're not sick of their sin. That's bottom line. They're not finished sinning. Folks, most times the people that won't commit to God and, go AWOL and not on the front lines The Jephthah and fight the fight of faith is because they're not sick of themselves. They're not sick of their sin. We need to get sick of it. We need to praise God that God's put us in the battle. Then there's, there's belligerent in their sin. They love it, but also there's bullish in their stance. They're not teachable. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's hard to teach a fool anything. And a fool has said there is no God. Folks, we live in a day and age where a lot of people are very foolish. They think this country just was built for them. No, it wasn't built for them. It was built for him. Thank God we ought to stand in awe of him as a nation and pray to God for mercy. Say amen. Jephthah knew why he was fighting and who he was fighting and what he was fighting for. And praise God, what a blessing to know a man of God knows the word of God and stands upon it. Then look at verse 28, we'll see, or verse 29, we'll see the reviving, we'll see the reviving. I like this verse 29, it's probably the key verse in the whole chapter. It says this, then the Spirit of the Lord, <laughs> amen, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah, and he passed over Gilead and the Manasseh, and passed over Mishpat of Gilead, and from Misbad to Gilead he passed over unto the children of Amnon. Folks, he took a journey into the war, He took a journey to the front. He was standing upon the word of God. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's a divine couplet in the warfare. It's the word of God and the spirit of God. If it's not scriptural, it's not spiritual. Say amen. Charismatic, listen to this. If it's not scriptural, it's not spiritual. If it's not biblical, it's not right. Amen. I don't care what your extraterrestrial extra-biblical experience is, it must line up with the Word of God, amen? And Jephthah knew the Word of God, stood upon the Word of God, moved by the Word of God, but he's moved by the Spirit. Folks, I want to tell you something. God, the Holy Spirit, lifts Jesus. But I want to tell you something, he never moves unscripturally. He always moves according to the Word of God. If you'll look at Colossians chapter 3, sometime I ain't got time to go there because I promised you that keeping the nursery in that pew that I'd be brief during these uh, pandemic days. And I'm trying. I'm really trying. But I'll tell you this, friend. You need to realize that God's word will stand. And we can stand if we stand upon God's word, but we must stand in the spirit. The spirit. I love that phrase in Ephesians chapter 6 where it says the sword of the spirit is the word of God. The sword of the spirit. Folks, I want to tell you something. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. That means, folks, God, the Holy Spirit, uses the word of God to pierce asunder the facades, the masks that people wear in the name of religion. I hate to bring that up. But I want to tell you something, friends. Stand upon the word, but stand in the power of the spirit of God. And folks, he's enough. And then in closing tonight, I don't pack up, but in closing, because this is the main part of my message about this vow, uh, uh, we see in verse 30 and 31 a rash vow, vow. And I'm gonna tell you something, friend. He made a vow that I could make. But look at this. It says, In Jephthah I vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Amnon into my hands, then it shall be that whoso- whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me When I return in peace from the children of Amnon shall surely be the Lord's and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. Jephthah wanted to be certain of the victory. So he begins to bargain with God and I don't think think it was necessary for him to make this vow because he already had the victory because he had the word of God and the spirit of God upon him and he was a man of faith. He was in the hall of fame of faith for some reason and folks, he was... uh, Uh, a nobody he was a reject ejected kid from his stepmother he was a son of a prostitute but he used his trials and his troubles to mold him into a man of valor and a man of victory and a man of faith folks listen I'm gonna tell you something if you're gonna be rooted and grounded you got to be faithful when things are bad you got to be faithful when things are sad you can't go by your little feelings you can't go by emotions Folks, I've lost that a long time ago in this five months pandemic. I've lost the feelings, amen. I'm just going by faith. And then God gives me some more feelings. But I don't base it on feelings. I base it on faith, amen. God's called me. I'm gonna preach till he tells me not to. And I'm gonna preach the truth. And I'm gonna try to lead this church as a shepherd. Uh, and I hope everybody likes it, but I'm sure they're not. But I going to tell you something, friend. The battle's not with each other. And the battle's not with the government. And the battle's not Democratic-Republican. The battle is against Satan. And he's doing a pretty good job of dividing churches. He's doing a pretty good job of defeating pastors. I know a lot of them that said, as soon as this over, I'm resigning my church. He's doing a, he's doing a whole lot of, of uh, sifting the saints and he's, and he's devouring their faith. And folks, I'll tell you what, church is available and a lot of people are not coming back and a lot of people won't come back. I was viewing some church services today and I was shocked at the deadness. And I'm not being critical, but I'm, I'm friend Ichabod's departed from University Baptist Church down in Atlanta. And they had a great man of God. And I'll say it Publicly. You need to stand on the word of God and you need to go soul winning and you need to keep moving towards God and not give up the ship and give up your heritage and give up your legacy because you want uh, somebody else to be in charge. And the church is dying. There's other churches in the neighborhood I tuned in on to and pastors are, the same pastor called me two or three times already and says, I just don't know if I'm gonna have a church left. I don't think, I don't think there's gonna be anything left. He said, I just don't think think there's going to be anything to come come out of because our church is divided and our church is dying. And you can tell with a broken heart, this pastor, has been there 17 and a half years, poured his heart into it, fought the devil with his attack on his own family, his own daughter's in jail for 25 years. And he said, man, I just don't know if there'll be anything left. Pray for us. Folks, the battle, the battle. Folks, we're the only army that shoots the wounded. We're the only army that shoots each other. Folks, if there's ever a time that we need to unite, if there's ever a time we need to exhort one another, if there's ever a time that we need to encourage one another, it's today because the battle is raging and the battle is for uh, the glory of God and for souls to be saved and for the fathers of the gospel and for missionaries to be sent. Folks, we cannot lose the mission of it all. And the call of this church is to win souls and support more missionaries. And it seems like the church, Brother Kevin, is in a survival mode. God never called us to be in a survival mode. God called us to take new ground and fight the battle and go forth in the power of the Spirit. Folks, there's ever a time that we need to long for the power of God upon our lives, and there's ever a time that you need to pray for the For the devil to beat the devil off your pastor's back. It is now. Don't take sides over mass. Don't take sides over politics. Don't take sides over what you personally prefer. Take God's side and pray for one another. Exhort one another. I thought I'd cover this this morning, but I must have, the Holy Spirit wanted me to review just a little. Folks, we don't need rash vows. What we need is faithfulness. But let me just say this. You made one of the greatest vows you ever made in your life when you gave your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people think it's a flippant little prayer to get your escalator to heaven in gear. But folks, it's not. It's committing your life to Christ. Folks, sanctification ought to be a natural flow from salvation. Amen? Amen? I mean, there ought, to be a, <clears throat> there ought to be a desire in your heart for the house of God, for souls to be saved, and if there's not, you need to check and see if you're saved. Some people have no desire except for their own desire. God help us. That's a great vow that we made. Lord, I give you my life. I trust you with my life. I place my life in your hands. You can save me by your grace, but you can sustain me and you can sanctify me also by your grace. And it's a commitment to get in the word. Amen. It's a commitment to get in the prayer closet. You know, there's one thing that I want to open up quick and I don't know how, but I'm going to work at it in the next few weeks. And that's the prayer room. It's more important than the nursery. Some of you ladies, don't look at me cross-eyed trying to run down your little kid, it's more important than the nursery. It's more important than Sunday school. Folks, if we don't pray together, we're going to fall apart. We need to pray for power. We need to pray for unity. We need to pray for the backslidden. And I'm not saying everybody that's home's backslidden either. We need to pray that the media minister will keep putting it out. Thank God for you. I was thinking about that. We're trying to get a a plaque erected up there with Brother uh, Larry's memory and give a Bible out, I got it right down here, if I can ever get the family to come and visit with us, we're going to present that Bible, maybe Tuesday, in in the honor of our dear brother Larry, amen, and brother Cody put up a plaque with his picture right behind him, and I said take it down, he thought I was mad at him, I said no, we want to present that officially, he's been waiting patiently, brother Cody's a very impatient person, But anyway, we've been been waiting patiently, haven't we, Brother Cody, for that family to come here and we're going to put that up and that was a great, great remembrance. They respected the elder back there in the sound room. And so we're in a battle, not against each other, but against God, the God of this world, the devil. And vows were completely voluntary, but when they were made, they were expected to be carried out. Turn to Ecclesiastes Chapter 5, we could go to Deuteronomy 23. We go to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And uh, I want you to look at verse 1 through 5, and I'll I'll try to wrap this up. And the reason I don't believe that he killed his daughter. Uh, Ecclesi- uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, and look at verse 1. It says, Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God. Be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. Amen, everybody wants to do something, but folks, what we need to do is be something. We need to listen. We need to listen. I hope I'm listening to myself preach. It says, for they consider not that they do evil. Now listen to this. Be not rash with thy mouth. Boy, we could all use that. Say amen, praise God. And let not thy heart be hasty to utter anything before God. Listen to this now. For God is in heaven, and thou Upon earth, therefore, let thy words be few. For a dream cometh through the multitude of business, business, and a fool's voice is known by the multitude of words. But look at verse four. When thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Whew. My goodness. Look at verse five. Better is he that should not vow, and thou shouldest vow and not pay suffer so not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to see and neither say thou before the angel that it was a error wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thy hands Whew. folks we need to keep a promise to God and folks it's a snare for a man to vow hastily in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 25 the Bible says this let me read it to you real quick Chapter twenty, verse twenty five, it says, It is a snare to the man who devoureth that which is holy, and after voweth, and after vows to make inquiry. What's that saying? That's saying, folks, we shouldn't vow hastily. But when we make a vow, we ought to keep it. And then we see in verse 32 and 33, um, Japhthal passed over. Here's the route of the enemy. Jephthah passed over unto the children of Amnon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. Isn't that precious? And the Lord delivered them into his hands. Look at verse 33. And he smote them from the Aaron, even till thou comest to Minnith, even twenty cities unto the plain of the vineyards with a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Amnon were subdued before the children of Israel. Jephthah had the victory. His victory was a victory of faith. And just as Gideon, Jephthah was a weak man, but God transformed him into a fearless, faithful warrior. And folks, I want to tell you something. Jephthah is an illustration that no one is beyond God's capacity to use you. It's not your ability, it's your availability. But it's also, friend, it's your faith. You ought to believe that God has called you to do a great work. That God's called you to defeat the devil. That God's called you to stand in this last days upon the word of God, by the spirit of God, with the sword of the spirit, bringing glory to God. And thanks to Jephthah's faith and courage, the Ammonites did not threaten Israel for another 50 years. And then we see the resolve in verse 34. I'll close with this. Jephthah came to Pes into the house and behold, his daughter came out to meet him. Oh my. With trembles and dance, that was a custom. When somebody came back from from war, uh, the, the, the children would come out that door dancing. I mean a spiritual dance too, not this junk we see today. And she was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. It came to pass when, He saw her, then he ran his clothes. He said, at last, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low. Thou art one of them that troubled me, for I have opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. What commitment. And folks, I want to tell you what's so wonderful is we see this reception at the door, verse 34. His only daughter comes out. We see the regret from a daddy that shouldn't have made a vow. We see the rousing of the the daughter in verse 36. What did she say? And she said to him, Daddy, my father, if thou hast opened thy mouth in the Lord, do to me according to that which thou hast proceeded out of thy mouth, for as much as the Lord has taken vengeance for thee of thine enemies, even the children of Amnon. He said, Daddy, you promised, you do it. Now folks, I want to tell you something. He raised her right. He raised her to be a lady of God. He raised her to to, uh, to, to prefer uh, that her daddy obey God even if it cost her her life. And I want to tell you something, folks. The question arises in my heart, did Jephthah actually vow? What did he vow and, ha- and, and how did he keep that vow? Did he actually kill her? Well, I don't think so. And I'll tell you Why? Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 12 and Deuteronomy chapter 18 and Leviticus chapter 18, you look it up later or we're gonna be here past supper and I'm pretty hungry. The Lord did not approve or accept human sacrifice. Three chapters, he said, I do not accept human sacrifice. Heathens accept human sacrifices. And then we we have, uh, have the account of In 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 24 through 26, uh, old loudmouth Saul made a vow that anybody touch any food, that he would would kill them. And uh, Jonathan didn't know that, so he touched some honey and ate it, and his neighbors stopped him. And good neighbors would not permit Jephthah to kill his own daughter, as they did not allow Saul to kill his own daughter. And where Jephthah offered, if Jephthah would have offered his daughter sacrifice, let me ask you a question. Where would he make that sacrifice? I'll tell you where he'd made that sacrifice. He'd made it at the altar at the tabernacle, the only place proper to sacrifice. And it would be done by a Levite priest. And no priest would sacrifice Jephthah's daughter. As a matter of fact, the priest would inform Jephthah of the redemption price. That's found in Leviticus chapter 27, verse one through eight. That means you for a price could, you could uh, redeem the sacrifice. In other words, you could buy it out. There's a buyout price. And so the remorse of the daughter, and I'll go on and show you verse by verse why I believe that the that, uh, Jephthah did not kill her, but committed her to full-time service in the tabernacle. And he said unto her father, Let this thing be done for me. Let me alone for two months that I may go up and down to the mountains and dwell my virginity. Here's the key. Virginity, I and my fellows. Now, folks, I want to say this. If he was going to sacrifice his daughter, don't you think his daughter would want to stay home for those next two months instead of wander around in the woods? I think it would have been cruel to say, hey, listen, I'm going to kill you, but it's going to be two months. That'd be cruel. If I was going to kill my daughter, I'd just go ahead and do it. I wouldn't do it. Don't get me wrong. And don't take that out of context and praise God. We don't want no power failure right after that statement. But I want to say this, friend. uh, He'd have to do it quick if he's going to do it. But he said, two months, go ahead and bewail your virginity. And so we find out in verse 38, and he said, go. And he sent her away for two months, and she went her companions and bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. It came to pass at the end of the two months that she returned to her father who did with according to his vow which he had vowed. And she knew no man, and it was a custom of Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughters of Jephthah, the Gideonite, four days in a year. And so, folks, listen. The passage tells me that Jephthah made her a living sacrifice and not a dead sacrifice. I know that theologians disagree with this, and if you disagree with this, you have a right to be wrong. But I want to say this. I believe this on my heart. This troubled me many, many years that, you know, he would kill his daughter as a sacrifice because he made a vow. And, folks, I believe with all my heart her dedication was celebrated each year, not her death. And God requires not a dead body from us. He, He requires a living sacrifice. And folks, you all know it, and you know it well. God wants us to be living dead things. Put that verse up, Brother Cody, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed. But it goes on to say, I beseech. I notice in my King James Bible, I don't think it's an accident, Brother uh, Jeremy, you straighten me out after the service if it's just a typographical error. Beseech is all caps. That must mean Emphasis. God pleads with you, God exhorts you, God commands you once you get saved to make this vow, I'm not my own, I'm not my own, therefore I'll glorify God in my body and my spirit, which are God's. Folks, you're not your own. You have no right to live your little life with your little schedule and with your little conveniences and your little pleasures. You have no right. You, listen, God didn't save you to be happy. God saved you to be holy. But I'm gonna tell you this, and I'm gonna notify, the, uh, make this public. When you are holy, you are happy. Amen. Say amen. amen. John chapter one, verse one through, 15, one through 11, says that these things I've spoken to you that your joy might be full and that my joy might remain in you. What is these things? Abiding in the vine. Dying to self, being purged, going through tribulation like this, to make us rooted and grounded in godliness and Godlikeness, and bringing forth much fruit. Fruit of holiness, Romans 6:22. The fruit of good works, Colossians 1:10. The fruit of another Christian, Matthew 28,19 and 20. Folks, the fruit of praise, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Folks, there's all kinds of fruit. And if you're not filled with the Spirit of God and yielded to the Spirit of God and dead to self and abiding in the vine, your fruit is plastic, it's manufactured, it's temporal, and it's fleshly. But praise God if you're holy. And I loved what Brother Randy said at Dr. Sammy Allen's funeral. And he preached a great message, better than anybody that stood up there. And I have some great friends that preached his funeral message. There's seven of them, I believe. that's a long one. But he deserved her one of them. He said, Brother Sammy, wholly followed the Lord. And Brother Travis, you were saved under his ministry. Y'all were married under his ministry. Y'all can say amen to that. He prayed. He memorized most of the Bible. He lived for one thing and one thing only, the glory of God. He wholly followed the Lord. Now I know we had disagreements with some of his standards and convictions and all this stuff and how we do this and how that does but I want to tell you something, friend. You better look it up. He was scriptural and he was full of the word and he was full of the spirit. Amen. What a man. What a man of God. I respected him so much because he died to self. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, folks, the only way that we can ever give our lives to God is never get over Calvary. Amen. By the mercies of God, he saved you. So why shouldn't he not own you, lead you, and you be a slave, a servant for God's glory? What a privilege. He said that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable. Folks, you're not giving you're not doing God a favor by serving him. He's doing you a favor by letting you serve him. And it said this, and be not conformed to this world. Isn't that, a, isn't that a temptation? Everybody wants to be cool. Y'all got a lot of cool dudes out there in California, I'm sure, brother. Praise God. You got a lot of nuts and raisins. But we got them in Georgia too. We got some rednecks that don't know which way's up. Say amen. Yesterday I was fighting over the Confederate statue on, on the side of, of uh, Stone Mountain. I said, it ain't moving, it's nine stories high, praise God. Rip that down. You know, well, I shouldn't have said that. Anyway, take that off the tape. But I, No, don't take it off the tape. Praise God, I like it. But I want to tell you something, friend. It's our reasonable service to be not conformed to this crazy, crazy world. But be ye Transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Folks, I believe the rest of her life she served in the tabernacle. It gives reference to that. A lot of ladies that were servants full-time. I don't call them nuns because that's wicked. But I call them servants. And she never knew the pleasure of marriage. How many love to be married? Say Amen. I mean, you are married and you love it. Say amen. How I many of you would love to be married and you're not married? Raise your hand and we'll set you up. Okay. I've lost three members that way and I'm not gonna do no more keep it. My wife said, you can't set nobody up. I said, okay. I failed. I take my crazy friends from Decatur, Georgia, bring them up here, run off both of them. Praise God. <laughs> Don't ever do that as a pastor. But I wanna say this. I love the lord with all my heart and all my soul and if he wants me to die on the battlefield that's where i want to die i don't want to go awol i don't want to live for myself i don't want to celebrate what i can do and what i can be i just want to be his full-time servant and folks God help us to realize every Christian is a full-time servant. Your job is to finance your full-time ministry. And I want to say this, and I'll close. There ought to be unquestionable loyalty to God. There ought to be a divine priority to God. I mean, as long as you live for yourself, you're going to be miserable. And you're going to miss the precious will of God and you'll never prove it out. And you'll never be happy. There's a time where we just need to serve God with all our heart, holy. Brother Samuel, holy, followed the Lord. I got about 16 more points on carelessness. But I'm gonna close right there because I promised you I'd be brief. But I'm gonna tell you this. I believe that it wasn't too bad of a vow. For a father to make. If that was the vow that he made, and I'm convinced it was, that if you'll give me this victory, I'll give you whatever. Whoever walks out that door, if it's an animal, he'd probably slay it. In. But if it's my only daughter, I want to give you. I want to give you her life, her talents, her time. I want her to sanctify herself so much that she'll never be married, and she'll never have children what a delight that is and she gladly said daddy whatever you vowed I will surrender to you because you're a man that promised God daddies mamas the greatest blessing you can have on this earth is that when you die that your children still walk And better yet, preach and teach and proclaim the truth. And you'll live on. And I want to tell you something, friend. the greatest joy I have is that my children and grandchildren walk in truth, love the truth, and they want the whole world to know the truth. I could die tonight The way I drive, my wife thinks I'm going to. And I could be a happy man. Because a long time ago, I gave my children to God. And when they, and I don't want to say this in front of Brother Ross, but I'm going to say it anyway, and just sue. When Amy told us that she was falling, Brother Mark. Your son, that'd be nice. Your son to South Africa. I looked over at Connie. I was driving down the road. And she began to just tears dripping down off her cheeks, down onto her lap. And I said, Who died? She wouldn't answer me. I said, Who died, honey? Then I got a little upset and I said died louder than I should have. Amen? Because I thought she was going to slap me after I said that. And she said, nobody died. She said, Mark and Amy have surrendered to go across the world to South Africa. And here we were, both crying down the road, fogging up the windshield, because we're selfish. We want our children to be 70 miles away, and we can't even see them now because of quarantine. And then there was tears that dripped over a smile because we said, praise God, it's for the Lord. And it's for people that's never heard the gospel. We're the only people that can cry and laugh at the same time. I call us holy schizophrenics. (laughs) We are crazy, and we're proud of it. But I want to tell you something, it's a holy joy. And it's a holy peace. When you give what God's given you, back to it. Father, thank you for this message. I needed it. Sometimes I get all focused. Sometimes I get all frustrated. Sometimes I look at people instead of you. And God, I thank you for the faithful that are here those who are watching by way of internet they could not be here but they would like to be Lord I thank you for people that want to be here but they're just afraid to be here right now and I respect that God I thank you for your church and I pray that our church would make some holy vows to God not rash not selfish but holy vows to God that each day we'd promise you that all that we have and all that we are are yours and God I know you'll take it and you'll use them and you'll multiply and Lord that for eternity there'll be dividends for your glory because we gave what we had to you as a holy vow to God with every head bowed every eye closed I promise I won't be long but I believe God's Spoke to my heart, and I appreciate that. I appreciate when God speaks to my heart. I feel His presence here, and I'm so thankful. I wanted to go to some dead religion tonight, but so we can have a living relationship with a living God. But how many say, preacher, tonight? I know God saved me by His grace, and I'm so thankful. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that? Is there anyone in here that could say? I'm not sure, but I sure would like to be sure. We'll pray for you. Would you slip your hand up and say, Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved, but I sure would like to be saved. Anyone? How many of you say, Preacher, I'm saved, but I just want to be more available. I want to put my life on the altar. I'll never forget the night that I laid my life down on the altar after a preacher preached on Romans 12, 1 and 2 that was dying of cancer. He was so pale he couldn't even, there's no blood in him and he was so weak he held on to the platform but he preached in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. I got off the back row and I laid down on the altar and I said, oh God, I ain't much. And I got my business plans and I got my degrees and I got my I got my ambitions and plans and I just gave it all to God. And then God started opening doors in Claxton and then here, and what a blessing that night when I presented my body a living sacrifice. Maybe some of you need to do that and you'd say, preacher, I do. I just need to surrender all that I have and all that I am to God and His glory because He's done so much for me. By the mercies of God, I want to present my body a living sacrifice. Would you slip your hand up real high for a commitment of prayer? God bless you all over this place. All over this place. That's wonderful. Praise the Lord. Yes, yes. Thank God for you. Don't make this vow and don't respond just flippantly, but from your heart, you want, you, you desire to do more for God's glory than ever before. And that you know you got to do it by faith and by the Spirit and by the Word, or you've had it. Well, Stephen, don't go to Argentina by yourself. You'll not make it, brother. You gotta go in the Spirit. Anybody else? Yes, I see that hand. Little ones raise their hand. The oldest member raise their hand, and the youngest member raise their hand in that press. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for speaking to our hearts. God, give us more faith. God, help us not to use the past as an excuse. God, help us, Lord, to yield whatever we have, whatever we are, and whatever you blessed us with. May we give it back to you that you might touch and multiply for your redounding glory. And we'll thank you for every hand that was raised that represented every heart here. God, that we would use us this week as a testimony, as a vessel, as a mouthpiece, as a hand that hands out a tract, the Word of God. Lord, we're going to praise you and thank you for a good week yielding to thee. In Jesus' name, Amen.